Praise God. Praise God. Good afternoon. Or no, good morning. Good morning, Clover Church. Good morning. You can speak back to me. I won't eat you. I promise you. Good morning, Clover Church. Good morning. God bless you. God bless you. So, so um, humble to be here again. Um, I'm enjoying service. I, I could have done with another song as well, Brother Hudson. I, I, no, seriously, I could have done with another song. I do enjoy uh, the worship here and the, the fellowship here. You guys are so warm. You really are. You're really warm and uh, welcoming. And it's just an honor again to come back and fellowship with you. Amen. Praise God. And um, so good. I can't remember all your names. I do remember the faces. Um, but it's just so good to see familiar faces uh, still here, praising God, honoring God, lifting him up. And uh, the pianist, wonderful. And this, this young man here, you look like you're related to Hudson somewhere along the line. Eh? With a better looking version. Amen. <laughs> I know you'd like that. I know you'd like that. And, um, but no, thanks again for the invite to come back in and fellowship with you. Uh, Pat and Hudson are brilliant people. Can we have a clap for these two people? They're absolutely brilliant. Um, I really love these guys. I really, really appreciate them. And um, it's Remembrance Sunday and uh, we're remembering... Um, some things that some great people done to keep us alive, keep us ticking over. And um, I just want to remember these two guys as well, because these are real good guys. In fact, I want to just tell you a little story. Um, I heard a story um, about a man who heard that they were finding diamonds in Africa. Now, if you know the story, do not, whatever you do, don't spoil my punchline, please. Just, just hear me out. Just hear me out. I'm going somewhere with it. He heard about some diamonds in Africa, and people were going to Africa finding diamonds and getting rich. And he had an acre, a massive acre of land. And uh, he sold his land. He sold his land to somebody, and he went off to find some diamonds in Africa. And while he was out there, was out there a year or two, he wasn't finding no success. And he went further and further, ventured further and further, and deeper and deeper into the jungle and couldn't find no diamonds whatsoever. In the end, he died. He died not finding no diamonds. Anyway, the, the, the land that he sold to, a man had a dog, and the man and his dog was out on the field one day, and he saw his dog scurrying and going into the ground and he was wondering what did this dog doing and he looked he saw that the dog had found a little stone so he looked at his stone he had no idea what it was but he cleaned it off put it on his mantle and one day some friends came around and they was having a meal and they looked up and on the mantle they saw the stone and said where do you find this he says oh it's just uh, out in my field and that he says do you know what it is he goes no i just saw it it's just a loose he said that's a diamond he said, a diamond? He said, yes. Anyway, the long and short of it, they're calling a construction company, excavated the ground, and they found out that the land that this guy was living on was full of diamonds, acres of diamonds. What's the moral of the story? Sometimes we go out looking for great things, not realizing that the very thing that we are looking for is right here under our feet. Amen? Amen? Pat and Hudson are diamonds in. They're the acres of diamonds. Oh, I thought I was going to get a clap there. All right, let me just... All right, let, let me go to my... I've got, I got to improve my, my storytelling. I've definitely got to improve my storytelling. I, that, that was a sign. Improve your storytelling, Andrew. Okay, let me go to the scriptures. Let's just stay in safe ground, safe ground, safe ground. Turn your Bibles to John. John chapter 4, and um, I, I really was inspired by the praying, uh, and, and I've written down some names that I will be going away and praying for, Mary Mohan, Joanne, and Pat Smith, and I'm even praying for Ian, who's preaching next month, amen, I made a note of that, whoever Ian is, I'll be praying, amen, I'm praying for you, Superman, I am praying for you. And, and I enjoyed the intercessory prayers, I really did, because what I learned from that is, God is so omnipotent, yeah? He knows everything. And you can talk to him about everything and anything. I, I really enjoyed your prayer. And what I really loved about your prayer is how you showed that God is so personal. He prayed and he said, Lord, you know the hairs on our head, even if we're bald. You missed that again. All right, I'm going to stop trying. To, I'm, I'm going to stop trying to be funny. And I'm going to just stick with the text. I really am going to stick with the text. Now, listen, just out of reverence, just out of reference, this is, this is a biblical principle. You find it in the book of Ezra. 
When the books were open and Ezra found these ancient scrolls, he told the children of Israel to stand before the word of God while he was reading. So all I'm going to ask you while I'm reading is just to stand while I'm reading, just out of reverence. Amen? Amen. So if you can stand, we're going to read John chapter 4, and we're just going to read from verses 46 to 54. Verses 46 to 54. And because there's so many versions, I'm going to read. I'm reading from the New King James Version. I am a bit old school like that. I do enjoy the King James Version, but um, because we don't say thou and thee anymore, I'm just going to be sticking with the New King James Version. And is that Aaron I saw hiding around there? It's so good to see you, Azo. Bless you. Amen. Bless you, Aaron. Aaron's my son. I love him like a son. He's my son, man. Amen. All right. When you found it, say, I found it. With a bit more enthusiasm. When you found it, can you say, I found it. Amen. I knew there was people in here. I knew I wasn't suffering from optical delusion. I knew that people is in this house. Praise God. So I'm going to read from verse 46 down to 54 and you just follow. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servant met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. Watch this. And he himself believed and his whole household. This again is the second sign that Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. We find our topic and our message today, our focus today in verse 50. I'll just read it one more time with you. Jesus says to him, go your way. Your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. The man believed the word that Jesus had spoken to him and went his way. So just for a simple topic, a simple title, just to leave you guys with. If you don't remember anything else I say, remember this today. Believe the word and your miracle will follow. Believe the word and your miracle will follow. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to stand before your people. Father God, you said if any man speak, let him speak as an oracle. Lord God, let self be slain today. I pray for the anointing of an oracle. And I pray that you will give me the ability to partner with the Holy Spirit and speak to your people. That there will be conviction. There will be comfort. There will be change. Father God. And above all, we will be challenged to believe you always, knowing that the miracle will follow. We thank you today. We exalt you today. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. amen. Let the church say amen. 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 And just before you see it, turn to someone and say, believe the word. And your miracle will follow. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. So just before I came, I said to... Um, Hudson, uh, how long do I have? He says, as long as you want. Praise God. So forget about Sunday dinner. Amen. And start thinking about work tomorrow. Praise God. Amen. And uh, listen, uh, um, I, I actually minister at a church over in Greenford. And I 
because it was you guys uh, and Pat had mentioned this to me, I took some time out and said, I'm going to make a sacrifice and I'm going to come over and fellowship with you guys. I don't normally do that, but I might just make it a practice because apparently you have some breakfast going on next week as well. <laughs> so you just might, don't tell them that though, but you just might see me next week again. Praise God. All right. At least I've got a little chuckle there. I've got, I've got a little chuckle there. No more jokes for me now. That's it now. No more. No more. Praise God. Believe the word and your miracle will follow. I want you to know that you are listening and looking at a man who genuinely from his heart, don't run out the room now, believes that the Bible is the word of God. From Genesis to Revelation, I believe that this is the infallible, inspired word of God. I believe it. I might not be able to explain everything in it, but I believe it. I might not be able to articulate what is being expressed in it, but I believe it. I don't understand every single thing in it, but I believe that this is the word of God. And because I believe it's the word of God, I believe it can be trusted. Yes, it can. It can be trusted. It will outlive and outlast every critic. In fact, many people in time past have tried to disprove the Bible. They're dead and they've gone. This lives on. And one of the reasons why you find that the Bible lives on or the word of God lives on because it doesn't come from the mind of man. It really does come from a supernatural being who is above and beyond us all. In fact, if they say man wrote the Bible, and they're right, man, man did write the Bible. I always say to people, tell me which book man didn't write that people believe in. There's not one book that you will read that man didn't write. Think about it. Just giving you time to think. Exactly. Man wrote the Bible, but inspired men of God under the influence of the Holy Spirit wrote down as they were being led by the Most High God. These words that we read in the Bible, they come from eternity. That's why they will always outlive everybody. This is an internal truth, eternal truth, excuse me. So I believe the Bible. And I believe everything that is written in the Bible. I genuinely believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God and can be trusted. In fact, God says in Psalms 138 that I have magnified my word above my name. That's how powerful the word of God is. In fact, I, I submit to you today, as much as we love to praise and worship in church, there is something even greater than praise and worship. The word of God. The Bible says in the beginning was worship. Oh, no, no, sorry. I might be quoting the Queen Jane version. Let me rephrase that. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word is what we start with, is the word that we finish with. The word is the most powerful thing that you and I can run with. The word of God can be trusted. That's why it's important that you and I read our Bible every day. When Jesus was being tempted by the devil in the wilderness, the temptation that the devil poses to him, first and foremost, is to do with food. Because he knows Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. And even if he wasn't fasting for 40 days, he knows men love food. We do. And women as well. That's a generic term, by the way. We all love food. And if you don't believe me, just go to the National Health Service and ask them what is one of the biggest statistics right now in England. Obesity. So we know we love food. Don't worry, I'm not looking at anybody here. No, I'm, I'm, I, I learn to be sensitive when I'm holding this mic in my hand. We love food. And he turns around and he says, if you are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. But because Jesus loves the word of God and he understands the power and the gravity of the word of God, he says this, man shall not live by bread alone, not by food, but by Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What does it tell you? It tells you that, listen to me, if you are going to have a healthy, strong and fit spiritual life, you must learn to love the word. Eat the word. 
meditate on the word. I submit to you, your success and your prosperity is going to come through understanding and applying the word of God. God speaks to Joshua, a young general just taking over. Israel and about to lead them into the promised land and God says to Joshua, Joshua, if you're going to be successful, if you are going to uh, uh, mount a successful military campaign against seven massive enemies, there's the first thing that you have got to do, the first thing that you've got to know is the word. And this is how he puts it to Joshua. He says, Joshua, this book of the law, talking about the word, shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do all that is written therein. Then you will make your way prosperous. Watch this. And then you will have good success. Wow. That is associated with the word. He's saying, if you meditate on this, if you begin to apply this, your way will be prosperous and you will have good success. And notice he says good success. It almost, it almost implies and suggests that you can have success, but it's bad. Because if it's not according to the word, it can't be good. It won't last. You see, what me and you have to do and understand as believers, when we are living for God, we are not just living now, we are living for eternity. What we do now is going to have an impact on us in eternity. I love watching movies now and again. I'm a Marvel fanatic, yeah, but I, I do love other, other movies. And one of the movies I like to watch more than DC, more than DC, Superman is a DC guy, I, I'm more Marvel. One of the movies I really enjoy watching is with Russell Cole, Gladiators. I love that movie. If it's on, I can watch it and watch it and watch it. Brilliant. Always learn something from it. But at the beginning of the movie, you will see that Russell Crowe is about to lead his army into war. And he says as a general to his soldiers, soldiers, what we do now, are you ready for this, will echo in eternity. Wow. He understands that what we are doing now is going to have an eternal effect. And if you want to have an eternal effect, where when you get to eternity, hello on the mic, when you get to eternity, you have something that you can reflect on and be happy about, live by the word. Believe the word. Psalms, I think it's Psalms 1, says uh, something, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Watch this. But his delight is in the law of the law, and in the law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. But the ungodly are not like that. So it's almost like your meditation on the word of God brings prosperity and success. There's something potent about the word of God. There's something beneficial about believing the word of God, Pat. I encourage you today, if you don't want to take anything else away from me, take this. Believe the word. Believe the word. You will benefit from it. Amen? And so we find our story today, or our message today. Where Jesus once again is returning to Cana of Galilee. And the scripture makes it clear. He's returning to this place. He was here before because this is where he first done his miracle. And if you ever sit down and you're doing Bible quizzes, this is one of the most famous quizzes that you'll always hear people come up with. What was the first miracle Jesus did? And if you've been in church long enough, you're supposed to know the first miracle Jesus did was turn water to wine. And if you don't know that, then I need to pray for you seriously. Especially if you've been coming to church a number of years. That's the easiest one. What did, what's the first miracle Jesus did? He, oh, I know. He turned water to wine. That's the first miracle. But let me ask you, what's the last miracle Jesus did? Ah. Don't interrupt my preaching. You just sit there thinking about it. This is not, no one's supposed to be shouting out anything. No, it wasn't the resurrection. No, everybody says the resurrection. It wasn't the resurrection. I'll take you out of your misery. It wasn't the resurrection. The last miracle that Jesus did, technically speaking, was put a man's ear back on his head when Peter drew the sword to try to chop off his head. That was the last miracle in the garden when they went to arrest him. He puts a... Notice, I'm going to show you how good God is. 
notice they come to arrest him. And you know they didn't come to him kindly. They didn't say, oh, Jesus, we come to arrest you. No, they came aggressively. They came with force. They came abruptly. And they wasn't going to ha handle him nice. They came to manhandle him. And Peter, with his carnal, fleshly self, in his anger, takes out a sword, chops off his ear. Some people said he was actually going for his head, but the man moved quickly, so he, got, he lost his ear. I can believe that. That was Peter before he got the Holy Ghost. And look at Jesus and his kindness and his love. If that was you and I, and, and, and police came to arrest us, or one of our friends chopped off his ear, we would say, thank you, Jesus. God intervened and made the man's ear get cut off. We'd be it would be a testimony. God intervened and helped us. But no, 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 no. Look what Jesus does in his kindness, in his love. He says, Peter, don't do that. Put away your sword. And he takes the man's ear and replaces it. And I submit to you, that ear, he could hear clearer at that ear for the rest of his life than he ever did. He did never need a hearing aid for that side. Whatever ear came out, he never needed a hearing aid for it again. Jesus healed it. What does that show you about God telling you, love your enemies? Isn't that awesome? Amen? Yeah, so that was the last miracle. I haven't forgot my message. That was the last miracle. That was the last miracle. But the first miracle, as you know, he turns water into wine. Oh my gosh, you, you should have never told me, just preach, because now uh, I, I just got something else I need to share with you. Jesus is interested in your enjoyment. This is not part of my message. I'm coming to my message. This is my introduction. My introduction can be like an hour long. Please, my message is like five minutes. It's the introduction you've got to be scared of. Jesus is interested in your enjoyment and your pleasure. Sometimes we feel like God is the father killjoy. He doesn't want us to have a good time. That is a lie from the devil. Jesus and God wants you to have a good time. Whatever you do, just remember him. Just think about it. They're at a wedding, Hudson, and the wine has run out. That's an embarrassment in those times. But they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, the wine has run out. And his, his, his mom says, whatever this man tells you to do, just do it. He lets them know, look, my time hasn't come, but fine. Get some pots, fill them with water. And when they do exactly what they, he told them to do, and the master or the main guy of the married wedding tastes the wine, he says, whoa, <laughs> what cellar have you had this store in it? People normally save this, give this first. And then when that's run out, they give you the worst one afterwards. But you saved the best one till now. What does that tell you about Jesus? It tells you Jesus is interested in your pleasure. He wants you to go out and have a good time. Not too much. This is not a license now to go outside. The preacher said we can have a skin full and, and you're staggering all over the place and saying, I'm drunk in the spirit. It depends what kind of spirit you're drunk in there. But that's not what I'm, I'm advocating. I'm saying to you that when you go out, everything within moderation, God wants you to enjoy yourself. Pleasure comes from God. The scripture says in his presence, there's a fullness of his joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. God created pleasure. He wants you to have a good time. But let's, let me just make sure I put a caveat in India and just say, <laughs> within moderation. When you're mature enough that you'll understand what that means, but within moderation. And so he's done a miracle at Canaan and he's come back to Canaan again. And this is, this is a point where I want you to all understand. Life is a cycle. It's cyclical. And you can be at one point in life and you think you've missed an opportunity. But I submit to you today, don't feel no way because Jesus is coming back round again. He was at Canaan, he left, but he's coming back again. And so you might have missed an opportunity in 2019. But God's saying, if you live to see 2020, I'm coming back again. I'm going to give you another opportunity. You miss me at Canaan when I turn water into wine. Well, I'm coming back again and I'm going to give you another opportunity. Life is cyclical. Why do you think when we look at our watch, the watch is dying is always a circle? Because life is cyclical. Just like the earth rotates around the sun and the moon rotates around the earth, your life is rotating. Life is cyclical. 
And, 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 and just, just, just to emphasize that point one more time for you guys, women are known to have menstrual cycles. And menstrual cycle is always associated with life. Life is cyclical. God is a God who comes round. He comes round. And every time he comes round, he's giving you opportunities. Op I missed the last one. Don't miss this one. An opportunity is coming your way. It came before you missed it. God's saying, don't miss this one. And so the nobleman hears that Jesus Christ is back again in Cana of Galilee where he turned water into wine. He heard the last time. He heard, but he missed the opportunity. He says, this time I'm not going to miss it. I'm heading to Cana to meet with Jesus. You know why he was heading to Canaan to meet with Jesus? Because the Bible says that his son was sick unto death. And the Greek literally says that his son was constantly sick. His son had been sick literally for a long while. So maybe the first time when Jesus was in Canaan, his son was sick. But this nobleman didn't take an opportunity, didn't take advantage of it. But this time he heard, hold on a minute, Jesus is here. I'm going to take advantage of this. I'm not going to miss this opportunity. And so he makes his way to Canaan. And when he gets to Canaan, he meets the great man, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he says, Jesus, my son is sick on to death. Will you come down and heal him? And Jesus says this. Now, you know Jesus is not politically correct. If you are looking for a politically correct leader, do not look to Jesus. He is nothing like that. Jesus is not PC. He's Casey. He's kingdom correct, not politically correct. Amen. Amen. I'm trying. I'm trying. He's kingdom correct. And he says, he says, he says this, what makes me feel like this guy is not politically correct. He says, unless you people, whoa, hold on a minute. What do you mean you people? You can't be using that terminology in this time. Could you imagine him saying you people in this time? That's out of order. You know that's not politically correct. If he's on the TV and he says you, you people will be tweeting like mad. What did Jesus mean? You people. He says, except you people. See, signs and wonders, watch this, you won't believe. Who are the you people? Well, this is the preacher's prerogative now. I can play with this as much as I want to, and I'm going to. You people could suggest you people who are so intellect. You like to rationalize everything. You like to reason out everything. Or, or, or it could be you people... Because he's talking to a Jewish man here, a nobleman. You people who like the spectacular. Yeah, you like the sensational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to see something dramatized and be dramatic. You have to see a preacher hold a mic in his hand, his eyes wide open, and he's very animated in his preaching before you begin to have any form of response to him. You people. Or maybe your people are the people who just sit there analyzing the preacher. Is he really genuine? What's he really on? Is he an entertainer or is he a preacher? You people. You see, this is why I love preaching because did a preacher prerogative. You can unpack certain things. You people. Whatever type of people he was talking about, one thing we know, he says, except you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. And he didn't say it in an endearing way. It wasn't in a kind way. It wasn't in a nice way. It's almost like he was disappointed. Because this nobleman, and, and, and some translations tell you that this nobleman was royalty or an official that ruled in Herod's court. He was a politician. And he was saying, except you people see signs and wonders, you won't believe. And my point, I'm going to give you three points and sit down. And my point number one from this text is believe. The importance of believing. God wants you to believe him. In everything and in anything, God wants you to believe him. 
You see, the Greek word there for believe is the same word where we get faith from. They come from the same root word. You could say that faith is the noun and believe is the adverb or, or, or the verb, the doing. Amen? I hope I got that right. My, my, my kids are uh, school teachers and they're always correcting me. No, Dad, I'm exposing that. I didn't really spend much time in school. And if I was in school, it was this thing called the unit. <laughs> Not G-unit, but the unit. Amen. Praise God. And, 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 and believe in God. Believe in God means having faith in God. And you've got to understand that faith is the most powerful force in the universe. Do you want to please God? Have faith in God. You want to put a smile on God's face? Have faith in him. Believe him. Listen to what the Bible says. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That means if you want to please God, you must have faith. I used to think that attending church every Sunday means I'm pleasing God. No. Because you could come to church and still don't believe God. It's just a ritual. It's just a routine. You're just being religious. Believing God pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to believe God. But watch this. Faith doesn't just please God. I'm going to show you how much it's powerful. Faith moves mountains. Wow. So not only does it please God, we know that faith is a powerful force. It moves mountains in your life. There are some things in your life that won't move until you begin to exercise faith. And watch this. Faith in the word of God. Faith in what the word of God says about your situation. And I used to believe, Lord, you have to pray to move your mountains. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says when you have faith, you speak to your mountains. Woo! I'm getting happy. Excuse me. Thank God my wife's not here. She hates when I do it. She Every time after I finish, why do you do such a foolish dance? Please don't do it. Thank God she's not here. That's our secret. Don't tell her nothing. And so, don't tell her nothing. Praise God I'm getting happy. Faith moves mountains, and the mountains in our life won't move until we begin to speak to it. And what do we speak and say to our mountains? We say what the Word of God says. Whatever the Word of God says, that's what we speak and tell our mountain. The Bible says, let the weak say, I'm... So when you feel weak, you say, your Word says, I'm strong. The Bible says, by his stripes, I'm healed. So when you're sick, you claim and you profess, Lord, your word says, by your stripes, I'm healed. Believe, believe, believe the word of God and miracles will follow. But you must first begin with believe. Everybody say, believe. Amen. Believe, believe. So the Bible says that Jesus said to this man, you go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word of God or the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him. Now there's two fundamental things that you need to understand about the word of God and that you need to believe about the word of God. The first thing is you always believe the written word of God. The written word of God is where we get the Greek word logos from. In the beginning was the word, it's talking about the logos. That's the written word of God. Logos is a Greek word where we get things like logic from or, 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 or logo from. It's God's thought, it's God's mind, it's God etched on paper. Believe the written word of God. When you read it, you must believe it. But also... Also, there's another word in the Greek that, that represents the word of God. And it's not logos. It's a Greek word where we get or what, what is known as rhema. It's the spoken word of God. It's, it's what Jesus said when he was tempted by the devil. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every rhema that proceeds from the word of God or from the mouth of God. Rhema is the spoken word. Logos is the written word. Rhema is the spoken word. And what am I saying here? When preachers are preaching and you see them expounding from the word of God, you must believe what's coming out of their mouth is what God is saying in his word. It's the rhema becoming a reality now. Woo! That wasn't in my notes, but I'm going <laughs> to... Am I recording? Yes, I am. I'm going to have to remember that one. 
It's the Logos becoming a reality now as they speak. That means there are some of you in here who need to hear, believe the word because you, you've been struggling with your faith. You've been struggling to believe God on a new level. And he's saying, listen to me, trust me. What my word has said will be a reality if you believe it and put it into practice. Trust me. And so the nobleman, I'm going to wrap up now. The nobleman, the Bible says, went away believing what Jesus had said. Point number two, not only must you believe the word of God, but then you must now behave in a way that demonstrates you believe the word of God. So first you believe, and now you must behave in the way you believe. You see, some people say they're believers. Some people say they're Christians. And listen, you're not questioning that. But then you begin to question them when you see how they behave. You say, how can you say you're a believer, but yet you behave contrary to the word of God? If you believe, then you must behave a certain way. You must behave, and that certain way is according to the word of God. So if you have somebody at work who despises you, you don't, you, don't, you don't even know why they don't like you, then you mustn't tell us, well, I don't like them. I, I hate them. Oh, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. If you're a believer, there's nothing in the Bible that tells me you must hate your enemy. Contrary to that, you must love them. And if you want to be like Jesus... I've, I've discovered this. If you want to be like Jesus, yeah, God puts things in place for you to be like him. Jesus had many enemies. Many enemies. And you know what? He died for them. He, he actually went to the cross and died for them. He loved them. How many of you in here can genuinely say, I love my enemy? There's somebody at work who's just annoying me, getting on. In fact, there's somebody in my family who's just annoying me, getting on my nerves. <laughs> and he said, yeah, exactly. And I want you to love them. There's not one scripture in the Bible that tells me I have to like anybody. I don't have to like you, Hudson. Hey, I don't, I don't have to. I don't have to like Hudson. There's not one scripture in the Bible that says like. No, it says love. But don't worry, I do like you and I love you. Amen. 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 And so you've got to understand that when you believe the word of God, there is a way you must behave. Because faith without works is dead, being alone. So if you believe, you must behave a certain way. You've got to understand the problem we have in church right now is we have people who believe the word of God, but they're not behaving like they believe the word of God. And then you've got people who say they, they're behaving a certain way, but they're not really believing the word of God. But when you put the two of them together, believing is really being obedient. Believing is being, that's the extension of faith. If you, if you believe, then show obedience and begin to work a certain way. And that's when you begin to move forward. You see, some people are like somebody who's in a canoe with two oars, but they're only using one. And when, you use a, when you're in a, a canoe and you've just got one oar, guess what happens? You go around in a circle. You're just going round and round and round in a circle. And that's what's happening in, in the body of Christ. We've got people who are just going around and around in a circle. And when you use the other one, just the left one, you go round and round in a circle again. But guess what? When you begin to use faith and obedience together, you move forward and forward and forward. You grow, you grow, you grow. You increase, you increase, you get better and better and better. Why? Because you believe in the word of God. Amen? I thought I'd get a little clap on that one. Can I get a little clap there? I'll, I'll pay you lot afterwards. My Lord, this is work today, Hudson. This is work. This is genuine work today. How many of you know preachers after what? Ian, this is work. <laughs> Preaching is work. I'm telling you that from now. I'm sweating here. Amen. You lot are making me work today, boy. Jesus. It wasn't like this the first time, boy. <laughs> there might not be a third time. Amen. <laughs> no, I love you guys. <laughs> Amen. So the Bible says he went off. He believed what Jesus said and he goes off. Now, where Capernaum is and where Galilee is, apparently some scholars say it's between 50 and 20 miles. It's a day's journey. That means he went away believing and the process was this. It took time. He thought about what Jesus was saying. And he went through some seasons and he, he's making his journey there. He hasn't seen the word come to pass yet. He's making his journey towards what Jesus said, but he's cog. cog all right, he's meditating on it. I was going to try and use a flashy word, but yeah, 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 yeah. He's meditating on it. 
He's thinking about it. And even in his dark seasons, it's gone nighttime now. He's still believing what Jesus has said. He hasn't seen it come to pass, but he's believing what Jesus is saying. He's walking towards what Jesus said. And do you know what's keeping him going? Do you know what's keeping him going, my brother? I'm going to tell you what's keeping him going. Faith. Because the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. So even in the dark season, even though he hasn't seen his son heal yet, even though he hasn't reached the promise, the promise hasn't materialized, it hasn't manifested, he keeps believing. He believes what Jesus has told him. And remember, Jesus is the living word and he's the spoken word. He's hanging on to it. You said it, God. I believe it. I know it hasn't materialized, but I believe it. I prayed for a promotion. You said promotion's coming. I'm going to hang on to that. I'm praying for healing. You said healing's coming. I'm going to hang on to that. The preacher said, believe the word. I'm going to hang on to that. Even though it's not materialized yet, I'm going to keep moving and believing. And that's what this man did. He kept moving. He kept believing. He behaved in a way that a person should behave when they believe the word of God. Just keep moving forward. I say to people when they're feeling down, I say, do you notice why God never put our eyes at the side of our head? We was never meant to walk sideways like this. And he never put it at the back of our head. So stop always looking back. Stop looking back. Stop looking back. He put the eyes at the front of our head, Pat, to say, always look forward. Because the best of your days, are you ready for this? I'm not behind you, they're ahead of you. The longer you live in Christ, the better things become. You know, we're so obsessed with youth. And, and no disrespect for the young people in there, I love you. But we're so obsessed with youth. We got drunk on the elixir of youth because society has told us that, and the adverts make it look like when you're young, that's when everything is brilliant. That's, now they're lying to you. You live long enough and you'll realize they're lying. Life gets better as you get older in Christ. I want to live till I'm 80 and 90. And I, I'm, I, seriously, I'm not going to prove it to you. Oh my God, why did you tell me? Why did you give me the license to preach as long as I want to? You should have restrained me. When Moses was in trouble, and you find this in the book of Exodus, when Moses is in trouble, his father, Jephro, father-in-law, comes to him and says, Moses, you can't manage 300, um, um, three, 3 million people. You can't keep leading them and counseling them. You need some support. God says to Moses, Moses... Look in the camp and look for 70 elders that you can put your spirit on. He didn't say, look for 70 young people. You know, in the corporate world, they'll be looking for some young graduates just out of university. No experience whatsoever. All theory. Never live life. Still in their mom's house. Still in their parents' house. Never really experienced life. Never really managed anybody. Just reading management books. He didn't say that. He says, look for 70 elders. People who are mature, people you can trust, people who have some life experience and let them lead, let them look over people. Oh, oh, oh okay, you're struggling with that one. Or, or, when Paul was establishing churches in the New Testament, the Bible says in book of Acts chapter 20 that he called and he looked for elders, mature people, to oversee the church. Oh yeah, and James, when James was writing to the church, he says, is anyone sick amongst you? Let him call for the youngers. Oh no, sorry, I'm quoting the Queen Jane. He says, let him call for the elders. And when you read the book of Revelation, watch this, this is going to blow your way. You never read nowhere in heaven where there are youngers. The Bible says that the four and twenty elders fell down before. God surrounds himself with mature people, with elders. I want to live to be an elder, boy. I want to live to be, make me an elder. Amen. Don't let them fool you and tell you that it's all in the youth. No, God loves youth. God loves youth. He does. But there is something about being an elder, mature in spirit, in the word. Amen. But I haven't forgotten my text. So the first point, believe the word of God. The second point, if you're going to believe the word of God, you must behave in a way that demonstrates and manifests and shows I'm believing the word of God by living, by walking, by faith. And even though the thing hasn't materialized yet, I believe it's materialized, I'm walking and living that way. There's so much we could say about that. Abraham never had a son until he was 100. 
But the Bible says that God called him a friend because God said, Abraham believes me. At 75, Abraham believed that he was going to be a father. When his name was changed, his first name, Abraham, means most high. But his name, Abraham, means a father of a multitude. When he changed his name, he went around and he was telling people, my name's Abraham, a father of a multitude. People's looking at him and saying, you even got a child? Joker. What are you talking about, Abraham? <laughs> what? You even got a child? But he believed God. He spoke by faith. He spoke, you've got to start speaking things. But I think this is, in my spirit, I'm getting this, that you need to start to speak things by faith, Clover. You're a good church, a great church. Stop looking at what you don't have and start looking at what you do have and celebrate what you do have. Give God thanks for what you do have. Because God can do a lot with a little. All it takes is five fish. Two fish and five loaves, and he'll feed a 5,000. But you've got to believe, and you've got to behave like you believe. And so the man, I'm wrapping up now. I have to wrap up. I realize I'm getting taken away. I'm enjoying myself up here too much. I'm being selfish. <laughs> I'm enjoying myself. I don't know if you're enjoying yourself down there, but I'm enjoying myself up here. So I definitely need to <laughs> curve my emotions. But the Bible says that this man, this nobleman, as he began to make his way close to home the following day, one of his servants ran out in excitement and said, Master, your son, your young son, your young son, the young son who was sick. What does that tell you about young people? <laughs> that's, another, that's another message altogether, altogether. That's an, your young son who's sick. Notice when the Bible talks about some young people, they're always in some poor predicaments. You remember the woman who had one son in Nain? He's dead in a coffin. Jesus revives him. He was a young son. Young people. In another arena, we'll deal with the young and the old. <laughs> in another arena, in another time, we'll, we'll address that. Amen. Amen. I can get away with it here because we are chronologically advanced in age, the majority of us. Amen. He says, your son, your son who was near death, your son who was on the verge of going into eternity without knowing the Lord, Without knowing Jesus as his personal savior, your son has been revived. He is alive. And the man says this. He says, he inquires. He wants to know, when did this happen? And when the servant told him, he, he, he calculates and he realized it was the same time that Jesus says, go, your son lives. And the Bible says he believed. So he believed before, but now his faith has increased. And what does it tell us about the word? The Bible says in Psalms 107, he sent his word and it healed them. The potency and the power of the word is this. You don't have to be in proximity or even in the environment to receive what the word of God says it can do. You've just got to believe it. Where every, Time and space is of no issue to the word of God. And so we could be praying for people. We could be praying for Mary. Wherever she is now and hear that she's healed. But we've got to believe. She's got to believe. We could be praying for Ian next month. He's nervous. Especially because he has to follow me. And he's thinking, how am I going to get all these punchlines out? But we're going to pray for him. And he's going to do even supernatural things. We pray because you've got to believe. You've just got to believe. That's all you've got to do. Believe. That's the potency of the word. And so the Bible says that he believed. But watch this. He didn't believe. Only the Bible says the whole household believed. And so you believe. You behave like you believe. And when you believe and behave like you believe. My last point. Are you ready for this? You see the benefits. Woo! You see the benefits. You can't serve God and don't see benefits. And benefit, it comes from a Latin word. Bene meaning good or to do good. 
And you see the benefits of faith. Faith always does good. When you believe God, there's always a good outcome. There's always a good result. There's a benefit in believing the word of God. And so I'm challenging you, Clover Church. Believe God. Whatever you're praying for, privately or publicly, believe God. And behave like what you are praying for. If you're praying for an increase in your finance, believe. If you are praying for an increase in the congregation, believe. And act like it. If you are praying for leadership, believe. Whatever you are praying for, if you are praying for an addition, musicians or whatever it is, believe. You're praying for a husband, you're praying for a wife, believe. You're praying for a son, you're praying for a daughter. This guy here was praying for his son. There's somebody in your family you're praying for. You might not see the results, but keep believing. Because ultimately you will see the benefits. You will. If you believe the word, the miracle will follow. Stand to your feet today. Let's give God some praise today. Come on, let's give some God some praise. Come on, hallelujah. Come on, we can do better than that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I don't like to preach without praying for somebody. Might just be one, might be two. But I like to pray for people. I genuinely do like to pray for people. And I'm going to tell you why. When God places a word on your heart, not only does he give you the word, but there's an impartation that comes from that word. God's word is spirit and it's life. And so I want to pray with someone today who knows and is struggling with their faith. But this message is to build your faith and say, just keep believing God. It's not just what we read that God's saying believe. It's what he said. And I know the God I serve. He's spoken to somebody in this room today. He's, he's spoken to you, not just today. He's been speaking to you behind the scenes. You've been praying and you hear his voice. And you know his voice because the Bible says, my sheep know my voice and another voice they will not follow. So if you're that person today who's been praying and you want God to, to, to do what you've been praying for, then come and let me pray for you because I'm just going to pray that God will strengthen your faith and you will continue to believe. Don't worry about anybody else. This is about you and God. That's why I love God because it's always personal. It's always about me and him. This is not about me and the congregation. It's not about me and the crowd. It's not about me and the community. It's about me and God. 